Good evening, everyone. How you doing? So good to see you. Why don't you take your seat? I was talking to Melissa, uh, my dear wife. She was preaching this morning. It was Mission Sunday, of course, for us. And the missions video that you just saw was being played in Melbourne. Uh, of course, every project that we're doing globally uh, in Melbourne, we support lockstep. And, um, you know, we are just honoured uh, to be able to do that in our eighth year uh, as a church. And we, we praise God for that. But Melissa was saying to me on the phone this afternoon that our service was packed out so much so that our teams had to put out more chairs. And we praise God for that. You know, I just uh, do ask that you pray for us in Melbourne. Um, we are taking perhaps our biggest step of faith ever. We have our, what we call our Heart for His House Sunday, which for us, uh, the last Sunday in October marks the anniversary of our first ever service, which occurred on the 26th of October 2014. And um, uh, we are believing... It's uh, a big number, but we're believing for a million dollars in this year's Heart for His House. And I'm speaking it and putting it out there, and I'm asking that you pray. Um, uh, pray. Pray with us. It's great to have Rachel uh, with me. Um, Rachel is back in New South Wales. She's been living here for about 18 months um, and uh, just been promoted to practice manager of the... Uh, prosthetics and orthotics uh, place where she works, which is awesome. Um, but Pastor Jack and Pastor Carol have been our pastors for 20 years. Um, Bethany was just born when we came. Rachel was five. Uh, Esther and Helena were born in this house. Um, you know, we've been married 27 years, so we're only... You know, for more years that we've been married, Pastor Jack and Carol have been our pastors. And uh, I just honour you. I love you. We are grateful for you. Um, and it's just such a privilege on a Mission Sunday to speak in what I think is arguably the greatest missions church in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your love to us. We thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And Father, we thank you that you involve us in what you're doing on the earth. Lord, thank you that you are awesome and almighty. There's nothing you cannot do, and yet you choose to partner with us. You choose to entrust to us the cause of Christ. Father, I pray tonight that you would stir our hearts on this Mission Sunday to understand what that means in an even deeper way in a house even such as this, which is so committed to missions as it is. Father, thank you that, Lord, you equip and you resource everything that you call us to. You don't call us to something and then tell us to do it on our own. But, Lord, you lead us and you guide us. Father, as we come around your word, I pray that we would hear no one's word but your word. I pray, Father, that people would not hear me but hear you. 
Let the seed of your word fall on good soil and produce the good crop you desire it to produce. And we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You know, I shared this morning that recently I had the honour of being in Italy uh, with our fourth daughter, Bethany. Uh, Bethany is uh, doing a double degree in uh, global studies and commerce. And as part of her global studies degree, she has to do six months overseas. And wow, she has to go to Italy, you know, as, as you do. And... Um, uh, and one of the, uh, I guess, aims was to set her up uh, for uni, but the other aim for me personally, I, I never dreamed that I would ever get to go to Rome, um, is to, uh, knowing that Paul had been imprisoned in Rome, I wanted to see where he'd been in prison. And I shared this this morning... Um, but there's a, a photo that I took, and the team will, will put it up. But the Mamertinium prison, or the Mamertine prison in English, um, is where it's known that the Apostle Paul had been in prison for three years, and, and then he was executed. Prior to being in prison in Rome, he was actually in prison for another two years in Caesarea. And there came a point after two years where he declared he was a Roman citizen and asked to be tried in Rome. And so was, was taken to the Mamertinian prison. And, um, you know, he'd gone from house arrest to a hole in the ground. Uh, this prison is not a prison that has bars and doors on it. it, it was, it's literally a three-storey hole in the ground. Uh, now, yeah, you know, a few years ago, they put steps uh, in and a little bit of electricity, but they've actually tried to keep it as dark as they possibly can to give you a sense of, of, of what it might have been like in Paul's day. It was chosen as a prison about 2,700 years ago because it had a natural spring. And, uh, and so at least prisoners could be, you know, in a position where they could drink. But what they did to toilet, what they did for hygiene, what they did for food, like all of that, you know, that's, that's unclear. Um, but what we do know is that it was a, a, an horrific place to be in. Yet in that place, Paul writes Ephesians, he writes Philippians, he writes Colossians, he writes Philemon. And it is so clear to me that in the midst of being confined, in the midst of being in natural misery, he was in supernatural glory. In the midst of being in a dark, damp, horrible place, Paul was soaring in a heavenly place as he focused his attention on a saviour that he'd met only a few years earlier on a Damascus road. Of course, Jesus encountered Saul, as he was known then, who was persecuting Christians, who was killing Christians. 
And Jesus said to Saul, as he was known, why are you persecuting me? And, you know, he's blinded and uh, he's, uh, you know, taken in by Christians. And then eventually he has people pray for him. And the, the Bible tells us that scales from, from his eyes. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he has this thoroughly amazing conversion. He steps from death to life, from darkness to light. Paul's put in a place in this prison where he's put in the dark, but he's still living in the light. All these years later, he's still living in the light and he's still desiring for that light of Jesus to light up the world of everyone around him that he possibly can reach. That's the desire that's going on in the heart of Paul. We know that Peter, the Apostle Peter, is also imprisoned in the same prison. And in actual fact, both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul are executed from that prison. They're taken from that prison and executed. Peter is crucified. But he's not crucified in the same manner as Jesus. He's crucified upside down. Why was he crucified upside down? By his own choice. Because the Apostle Peter said, I am not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord and Saviour Jesus. And so they put him upside down to crucify him. For the Apostle Paul, he was a Roman citizen. And you know, the absurdity was that the Romans knew that crucifixion was so cruel that there was a law that no Roman citizen could be crucified. And so Paul is beheaded. He's beheaded. That's why he's beheaded. He's not crucified because he's a Roman citizen and they'd break their own law to crucify them. Why were these two men put to death? Why? Because the authorities were scared of the light they shared, the good news they shared. The the influence of their life so transformed people around them that the Roman authorities thought people aren't going to worship Caesar anymore, they're going to worship God. They were threatened and challenged in so, so, so many ways. I don't know, I think I'd like to be executed because of that. I now are in this prison, uninterrupted. I was there for about five minutes and a young couple came down and, you know, had a look and for about 30 seconds and then they left. And I just sat in the prison. And I looked at the, uh, the little spring that's there and I looked at the pavement and the stone. I listened to the silence and I began to have the Holy Spirit speak deeply into my spirit. I could almost hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying to Paul, you've got to find a way to tell the untold. You've got to find a way 
to reach the unreached. Despite being held captive, you've got to find a way. You've got to find a way. And then I took out my iPhone, which was a way that I could read the Bible in such a dark place, and read these words from Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. It struck me, Paul wrote these words meters from where I was standing. Just a few meters. He's writing these words in a hole in the ground. He's writing, set your minds on things above. Set your heart on things above. Circumstance and situations don't get to dictate what goes on in your heart. Do not get to dictate what the influence of your life will be. Your faith gets to dictate what the disposition of your life will be. And for Paul, it was, I'm going to set my, my heart on things above. I'm going to set my mind on things above I can, it it, it reminds me of almost like King David in the Psalms going, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. It's not a prayer that he prayed. It's like self-encouragement. And I can hear Paul saying, come on, come on, Holy Spirit, I'm hearing you. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind, set your mind. You know, there are moments, family, where we've got to Get our attention off the circumstances around and set our minds on things above. Set your heart on things above because that's where real life is. As I was preparing for tonight, I was reminded of a story that I wrote in a devotion. I think it was a couple of years ago. I think it was a joint devotion we did across our locations. Anybody here 17? Put up your hand. Anybody 17, 18? Close? Yeah, yeah, okay. A few years ago, I was the palliative care chaplain at Mount Druitt Palliative Care Unit before we went to Melbourne. And uh, a young man called Eugene came into the unit. He was 17. And he came into the unit for his terminal care. What that means in a palliative care setting is that Eugene was going to die. And he was coming in for his final days with us. I struck up a friendship with Eugene straight away. Found out quite quickly he was a Christian. When he was 14, he went to a Youth Alive event at Hillsong, and gave his heart to Jesus, and uh, he'd been powering on with God. But what brought Eugene into our unit is that from 4 to 17, 
he'd had 134 bowel operations. He was diagnosed with bowel cancer when he was four years of age and the doctors had tried everything. His mum and dad had prayed and believed. All sort, everything that could be done was done. And he, he, that, you know, I met him and he's, he's near the end of his life. And uh, we, we just got talking and, and then he started to... He, he opened up an art book and he started to show me these amazing uh, grey lead and charcoal drawings. And he drew uh, his family, he drew his friends, he drew places he'd been, but then he drew what he imagined to be heaven would be like. And he drew Jesus and he, he, he just... He, he, and I said, how did you draw these things? And he said, well, I just asked the Holy Spirit to give me inspiration and, and I just let my hand do the work. One of the greatest privileges, I think, in 30 years of ministry was the opportunity to work with his mum and dad to put on his 18th birthday party. Yep, it's a bummer. It was in a palliative care unit. Uh, he had to stay there. He was so sick. But... Uh, we, without him knowing, gathered about a hundred friends, uh, church friends, school friends, uh, family, and uh, quietly packed out the lounge room of Mount Druitt Pal Care. And uh, the nurses uh, said to Eugene, "Oh, we've got to take you for some tests." And so they got a wheelchair for him and and uh, wheeled him down to the lounge. And everybody said surprise and, you know, and off the party went. And a couple of hours and it was just amazing. Friends had written songs for him. People gave testimonies of how his faith had, you know, helped them. And it was just this amazing, amazing, amazing afternoon. He was really tired by the end of it and, you know... Uh, said goodbye to him, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the day. And the next day, went back into the unit and I found him really busily working on this artwork. And I said to him, mate, you know, like, what are you doing? And he said, I must get this done. I must get this done. And I said, mate, what... Why? What, like, what's the significance? And he said, I must get this done. I'm going home. And I said, what do you mean you're going home? Because I knew he wasn't going home to his mum and dad's home. And he said, I'm going home. And I said, what do you mean, Eugene? He said, tomorrow I'm going to see heaven. I think I couldn't not have tears go down my eyes and... I don't know what I said. I can't remember what I said. The next morning, I went to work an hour early and uh, went to the unit and uh, went straight to his room. And uh, fair enough, Eugene had finished the drawing. The drawing was of hands clasped in prayer. Jesus' hands, nail-scarred hands, with a caption underneath them, that none should perish. He 
His mum was next to him. She stayed there every night. And uh, when I walked in, she came and gave me a hug. And, and uh, I can just remember holding his hand. I had my arm around her. And I prayed out loud that the Holy Spirit would just fill him right there and then. And Eugene opened his eyes and they were, they were sparkly, dark, sparkly eyes. And he looked at his mum and he slipped into heaven. And there was a glory in the room. In fact, I've been at many people's deaths, but this was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It was a holy place, this holy place, an extraordinary moment. A week later, we're at Pine Grove at Mitchenbury. And the family said, Pastor Craig, will you preach a message based on his final drawing? And they put the drawing on his coffin. And so I preached my heart out on the verse that none should perish, that all have eternal life. And 45 young people gave their hearts to Christ at a funeral. Something happens when deep within your soul you get the sense, I've got to get this done. This must get done. This must get done. It's what drove Paul. If you read Paul's letters in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon, you hear it again and again. This gospel has to be preached. This world has to be reached. People who do not know Jesus have to have the opportunity to know him. It was the driving force in 18 years of a young man's life. The last four years of, as a Christian. Those last four years of Eugene's life, I've I'm, it must be done. I've got to share this salvation that I found. I've got to share this new life that I found. I might be dying on the, in, like on the outside, but I'm living on the inside. I must get this done. I used this scripture this morning and I'm being deliberate using it again. The Apostle James said, what is your life? Your life is like a morning mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Your life. Life is short. And in the midst of the shortness of life, this life that is wonderful, this life that is rich, this life that can be filled with such joy and such love, this life where we get the opportunity 
to know and discover that we have a God and a Saviour that gave his all that we might receive all. This life where we discover that Jesus was sent as Saviour and Lord, this life where we get discover this is just the opening act to a much grander life. This life, this life is not the be-all and end-all, but this life matters because I discover when I put my life in Jesus' hands that he has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for my life, to live my life for his cause. His cause. That's what missions always calls us back to. That's why month after month, year after year at Imaginations Church, we believe that God calls us to make his last command our first priority because the gospel has to remain center. People being reconciled to Jesus through the cross is what the church is all about. But I would put this to you. It's actually what your life can be all about. Your life, spending your life on the cause of Christ, spending your life being an influencer for Jesus, this is the grandest life that you could ever hope to live. Billy Graham, Reverend Dr. Billy Graham said this, Heaven doesn't make this life less important. It makes it more important. The Bible says that as long as there is a here on earth, we are strangers in a foreign land. There are enemies to be conquered before we return home. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. When we set our minds on things above, when the reality of heaven grips our heart, then the focus of our life more and more becomes Christ's cause. Reinhard Bonnke said, we're to plunder hell to populate heaven for Calvary's sake. I must get it done. I must play my part in the gospel to everyone Everywhere. Who in your world needs to receive the gospel? Who in your world could you invite to an alpha course? Who in your world could you invite to a connect group? Who in your world could you invite to youth? Who in your world could you invite to your home for a meal and share your testimony of what the Lord has done? The Apostle Paul put it this way. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised for them. Like my friend Eugene, I must get it done. And it's his love that compels me. And I would put to you, it's his love that compels you. If it's not love, then it's just preaching. It's just preachy. It's just legalism. It's just, you know, whatever. But here's the thing that I found about Aussies. 
Aussies can spot a fake, but man, they can spot someone who's genuine and real. And when you really love people and genuinely are seeking to share the love of Jesus with them, I haven't found too many Aussies that don't want to listen. There are more people interested in the things of God today than I think there have ever been. The Apostle Luke wrote this. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the capstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other name. There is no other way to heaven than through the name of Jesus. Lost people matter to God. Therefore, they've got to matter to us. And we who call ourselves Imaginations Church, even more so. Even more so. Jesus said in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. Well, if I'm to love God with all my mind and with all my heart and with all my soul, guess what? I love his people. I love his people whether today they know him or not. I love his people. I love his people. I'm called to love his people. I must get it done. I must get this mission of love done in my sphere of influence and your sphere of influence. There's an urgency to this. To win the world, we need a burning love for God and a broken heart for people. This is why we give our money so that others can go. It's why we take up our cross and follow him. This is why convenience and comfort are not the main goals of life. It's why the Apostle Paul could be in a hole in the ground and say to himself and say to you and me tonight, centuries later, look up, set your hearts up, set your minds above Because there's a greater, there's a greater cause and there's a greater call on your life. I love this scripture. In fact, in Melbourne, it's been the the key for us this year. 2 Corinthians 5.9. And so we make it our goal to please him. We can have all sorts of goals in life. But because we love him, we make it our goal to please him. Don't wait to please him thinking, you know what, I'm just going to live for myself first and and one day I'll put Jesus first. Because let me tell you, watching an 18-year-old die changes you. It changes you. In 2 Peter 3, 11... Peter said this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Speed the coming of the day of God? How do I do that? How do I live godly and holy lives? I make it my goal to please him. What's his goal? 
that none should perish. That none should perish. That all come to that saving knowledge that Jesus is Lord and there be no other. The worship team can come. So let's speed the day of the coming of the Lord. Let's speed the day of the second coming of Christ. Let's speed the day when more and more people will praise Jesus' name because they've found faith in him through our sphere of influence. I must get it done. I don't know whether you came to church tonight expecting that you would be commissioned to a call and a cause. But let me just say this tonight. If you are a Christian listening to my voice tonight, there is a calling on your life. There is a commissioning on your life. Jesus has a good plan and a good purpose for your life. And it's to be part of his mission's cause. And that mission's cause, yes, yes it is giving our faith promises. We can't do what we do around the world unless together we also and see the miracle continue to unfold around the nations of the earth. But it's also me going, well, God, show me my local mission. Who is it that you want me to reach in my school, in my workplace, in my uni, in my neighbourhood, in my sporting team? Who is it? God, show me. Show me your call. Show me your purpose. I got thinking. You know, it's interesting. School scripture, you're talking about local mission. We can't do school scripture in Victoria. In fact, churches are no longer allowed to rent public schools for church in Victoria let alone do a scripture class in Victoria. I heard the gospel when a scripture teacher came into my primary school. That's how I first heard the gospel. When I was 19, I was a scripture teacher here in Penrith. There's something about being obedient to the call. Tonight, numbers of you, it could be that actually God's commissioning you to be a scripture teacher. Actually, for others of you, it's being intentional about sharing your testimony. God, I'm going to, I want to learn my testimony. I want to share my testimony in two minutes and I just want to get practical with it. For others of you, it, it might be, I just want to start to learn some scriptures so that I can guide people who've got questions about the gospel. And I, and I don't want to have to, you know, be fumbling my way. I want to learn some scriptures. Well, there's a commissioning and there's a call. I wonder tonight on this Mission Sunday, 
Would you respond to God's call and God's commission with that attitude that Paul had, that attitude that my mate Eugene had? I must get this done. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you and I praise you that, Lord, where you call, you equip. And Father, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to minister right now across this auditorium, touching heart after heart. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for yeses in people's heart to be part of your call, to be part of your plan, part of your army, as it were, your gospel army, reaching this world like never before. Father, I pray for spheres of influence. I pray, Father, for boldness. I I pray for wisdom and discernment. I pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit to help people to see others as you see them. I pray for words of knowledge and prophecy. I, I pray, Father, that you might give strategy and understanding. Father, I pray that Lord, there might be a sense even tonight of of just this commissioning and this call that you would give strategies, that even now you would birth dreams in people's hearts of how they are to serve you, even in greater ways. Father, on this Mission Sunday, Lord, I pray that that drive that was in Paul, I must get this done. I must set my mind on things above. I must set my heart on things above where Christ is seated. Lord, I pray that you might fill us with a heavenly vision, that heavenly calling. The Father, that we would step out in faith, knowing that where you call, you are quick. And we thank you in Jesus' name.